Welcome. You're listening to the DPO Download, a podcast for school districts data protection officers. I am one of your hosts, Monica Stadio. And I'm your other host, Josh Becker. Hey, Josh, back at it. I can't believe we have survived the beginning of school year. I mean, we're going to be a little selfish here, but I'm a little worn out. What about you? So is today October 4th? It's just a whirlwind, right? At the beginning of school. Yes, too. it's just crazy. So much is going on. But one of the things that I want to talk about is pretty big. Uh, New York's been waiting for this for a long time. Well, we had the biometrics report come out, but that was pretty much just here's the good and the bad of biometrics. But what came out recently from the commissioner of education was a decision about biometrics. They ban facial recognition. And that was the word too. Like it it was like pretty obvious. They banned facial recognition. Correct. I think they considered a lot of things. I I read the report as they go through it. There's a lot of stakeholders that had input on it. So Mm -hmm. um, it gives guidance, right, for all the districts and understanding what they have to do. Now, the nice thing is they banned facial recognition. They did not ban all biometrics. So you can still utilize fingerprints or other biometrics as long as consider the privacy, the impact, the effectiveness of these kind of technologies. And they actually gave that back to the local school district to make those determinations. Yeah. If it's your community, I mean, there's, it's going to be different around the state. And that's generally how I feel like New York treats the education agencies. It's, you know, everybody's community is different. You need to make policies and decisions based on, you know, your community as you know it. But this is one of the few times that they've said, as a whole, New York is not going to allow our students' faces to be used for facial recognition. Kudos to New York for taking a stand on an important privacy question that's been out there for a while. So I can appreciate that. So we've gotten through September in a blink of an eye, but that brings us right to October. And October is a big month for us as well, Josh. Back to school, followed right with Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Yes. Oh, okay. You put that awareness in there. You beat me to it. Cybersecurity (laughs) Awareness Month. How long have you been doing this with your districts? I've been doing it since I've been in this role in my current same, job. Same. But when I was in my past role in the district, I really implemented and used the month to kind of send out like little reminders to staff about things. Were um, you a champion? And, Did you utilize the tools? I was. And ah, good for you. I, I'm very excited, Monica, because today we have a very special guest, Lisa Plegemeyer is joining us today on the DPO download. She is the executive director of the National Cybersecurity Alliance. We're really excited to talk to Lisa and let's welcome her in. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Could you give us a little bit of, uh, maybe a little bit of bio, how you got involved with the Cybersecurity Alliance and a little bit, tell us a little bit about yourself. I actually started in marketing and sales a long time ago in the automotive industry. I'm originally from the Detroit area. I eventually ended up with a technology company in the automotive space that has pretty much all of our social security numbers and driver's license numbers, a half, half a billion of those. So if you think about the data you give when you go to a car dealer and you finance a car, lease a car. And so that's where I got sucked into working in cybersecurity because we were trying to protect those half a billion consumer records. And during that time, we had joined the board of the National Cybersecurity Alliance. So I was a board member for a couple of years before I had the privilege of being executive director. So let's talk a little bit about more about that. A lot of our audience have heard about staysafeonline.org, but they might not be aware of the organization that's behind that website. 
Can you tell us more about the National Cybersecurity Alliance and maybe talk a little bit about their goals and their mission and of the organization? Our primary mission is to empower people, whether that's teachers or students or, you know, folks in large organizations or small businesses, people like I like to pick on my kids and my mom because they're both in some (laughs) high risk groups when it comes to their interaction with technology to empower them to use technology securely. I like to think we're still in the early days of the information age and you know, the internet was never designed to be secure, yet there's an assumption on a, a lot of people's parts that it is. And that causes them to not necessarily do some basic things to protect themselves. And so we've got four or five behaviors that we emphasize a lot. If we could get everybody to do those four or five things, the internet would be a much safer place. We were the founders of Cybersecurity Awareness Month. This is our 20th year. We've been a partner with DHS for all of those last 20 years. And then we have a number of private sector companies that are on our board that are also huge supporters and advocates of ours and help us a lot to get the message out. So we do small business education. We do consumer-focused campaigns. It could be Cybersecurity Awareness Month. It could be Data Privacy Week in January. We also put out campaign kits for your audience. Those would be really handy. So if you don't have the manpower to create a bunch of assets, PowerPoint presentations or social media assets, things you can put on Slack or Teams, Zoom backgrounds, all the different assets you would create if you were running a communications campaign in your environment, we do all those things for you. And they're free for everybody to use. So we regularly create campaign kits, of course, for October and for Data Privacy Week. But then also, like around the holidays, we'll do safe holiday shopping online. We'll do travel security topics when it gets close to summer vacation. We might talk about um, safe use of dating apps and romance scams around Valentine's Day. We're doing campaigns and creating those resources for people to use in their organizations all year round. Okay, so we've used cybersecurity month packages from you. Uh, Somebody on my team has always been a champion. I didn't realize that you did all those other things as well. I was actually at an organization a couple of months ago to do a speaking session and they showed me on their on their team's channel where they literally just kind of have a feed of information from staysafeonline.org. So anything that we publish, any article, any webinar, anything that we've got out there that we publish that's just there to help people, they push all of it straight out to all their employees. So it gives them a constant drumbeat of security within the organization. They're a financial services organization. That's really important to them. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of have that constant reminder to keep it top of mind with their employees. Lisa, your website itself says the Alliance is a group effort, a a wide casting partners. This year, I think this is the first time I've seen the national organizations like CISA and NIST and everything really do the same kind of awareness campaign that you guys are doing. How does that uh, all come together with all these different national organizations? It's not easy. <laughs> I'm sure. um, we kind of put a stake in the ground last year. Well, a couple of years ago, we dropped the word national from Cybersecurity Awareness Month because we talked to so many organizations that are running the campaign globally and it's happening all over the world. We get press pickups. We see media attention. We get a media report at the end of October that tells us that there's billions of people around the world. Then we decided that we were going to focus on four core behaviors for last year's campaign and this year's campaign. And we convinced CISA to do the same thing with the new national campaign that they're launching this October that's going to be an evergreen campaign. If you think about, if you ask your average cybersecurity professional, like, what is there, what do I need to do to, you know, secure my environment? They're going to give you three or four pages of information, Uh things they want you to do, because there's always more you could do. 
And we said, you know what, what's the low hanging fruit? What are the things that are quick and easy to do that provide a lot of value? People can't focus on more than one or two things at a time. And I like to remind security professionals that um, if you overwhelm people with too many things to do, they're probably not going to take any action at all. So doing something is much, much better than doing absolutely nothing. And so let's focus on what are the big rocks, not the grains of sand. And the big rocks for us are, are recognizing and reporting phishing in all its forms. So smishing, phishing, all of it. Updates and patches, that's very important. Lots of folks that, especially in, a, in an age when in our work life, most of that stuff gets pushed to our devices automatically. We kind of forget that we need to do that at home. Multi-factor authentication, of course. Password habits, like using long, complex, complex and completely unique, not just a little bit unique, but really unique passwords. That's the other one. So getting everybody to align on those things gets us more share of mind because if we're all saying the same thing over and over again to an audience of the public that is largely bombarded with information all day from lots of different sources, if we have that consistency, it just, it helps to get us a little bit more share of mind. Yeah, I agree with that. And you're probably familiar with the CISA CPGs, and I think you have four of their six. I'm liking that the message is becoming the same from all of the organizations, at least on these four core things, because if we do these four, schools will be in a, a better position. So 2023 marks 20 years of the Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So in honor of the 20th year, you are looking at how far security education and awareness has come in that time. Where do you think it needs to go in order to fulfill your vision of a secure, interconnected world? Yeah, one of the things we discovered as we were celebrating a couple of weeks ago in Washington, D.C., we, we put together a celebration. We reached out to the, the founders, the people that originally started the organization. And some of the advice that we heard that kind of gave us a chuckle now was they used to talk about changing your passwords when you check your when you change your batteries and your smoke detector. Um, that was some of the early <laughs> advice that they that they gave people. Yeah, I think that we're going to see more and more secure by design and secure by default. Yeah. So that, so that this doesn't rest as much on the shoulders of the uh, IT teams and different organizations or on the shoulders of the end consumer. But I think the reality is, you know, not every technology provider is moving at the same speed. So while we see organizations like Google, for example, and Apple that are doing a lot of behind the scenes security that isn't evident to the consumer and doesn't need configuration from the consumer because it's happening in the background and it's not introducing you know, much friction to the end user at all, not everybody's going to have the same resources and move at the same speed. So there's always going to be a role, I think, even if some of the larger organizations are getting to passwordless pretty quickly, for example, there's still going to be, you know, businesses that, that we do business with that, that aren't going to be there for a little while. And there's, there are plenty of organizations that even banks that don't offer MFA, much less mandate it. So I can see a future where more and more of this moves behind the scenes. Responsibility isn't on the consumer as much as it is today. But I think it's going to be a little while before we get there, unfortunately. So we touched on how organizations can enhance their security. What do you recommend for individuals themselves and their personal devices? Is That's one thing we try to do here is make the awareness training to their job, but at the same time, best habits of when you're at home um, in your own personal life too. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same four things. That's the beauty of it is it works for organizations as well as it does for individuals. So 
It's making sure that you're using long, complex, and unique passwords. And to, and to do that, because we all have so many different accounts, you probably need a password manager. We're not big fans of writing passwords down in password notebooks, because <laughs> I think the risk there, if somebody gets access to that, the recovery from that is really difficult. So we're advocates of password managers, and Tom's Guide and Consumer Reports have reviewed them, amongst others. So people always ask us, which one do we recommend? And I say, you should use the one that feels intuitive to you. If you get a free version and you're like, man, I, I'm, this interface doesn't isn't easy for me to use, then you're probably not going to use it. So do your research and like pick one that feels intuitive. And then enabling multi-factor authentication on every single account that offers it, including social media. People think immediately of like, oh, I got to protect my money. They don't have a hard time doing it for their financial services accounts, but you certainly want to do it for things like your email and your social media, because those accounts can be really hard to recover if you lose control of them. There was an article last year about a woman that lost control of her Instagram account. It took four months for her to regain control. Yeah. And every time she got control back, the the bad guy kicked her back out again and she had to battle for her own account. And those accounts can be used to, to defraud others. Really important there too. Okay. This is, this is bringing me down, Lisa. It's just bringing me down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about something fun. Let's talk about a champion. I know I mentioned it earlier. What does being a champion mean and how do you become one if you're at a school district? Yeah, it's really simple. You go to staysafeonline.org and on the homepage, you'll see a promo box there that says sign up to be a champion. When you do that, you get access to a whole bunch of campaign materials for Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and you can do it again toward the end of the year for January for Data Privacy Week. So it gives you access to all kinds of free stuff. So there's articles, and it's a lot easier you know, we, we realize that not every article we write is going to be appropriate for every organization, but it is so much easier. We don't care if you plagiarize or you edit, whatever you do. It's easier to start with an article that somebody's written and edit it for your audience than it is to stare at a blank screen. We've got PowerPoint presentations. We've got social media assets, whether you're you know using those on like an internal Slack or Teams or you're using them externally, just a whole bunch of assets that can make it easier for you to run a campaign. So if, if you haven't done that yet, it's not too late. There's a lot of the stuff you can just use right out of the box. I know I'll speak for our group here. We utilize this stuff all the time and it saves a lot of time for the materials that we don't have to come up with and can just turn around and, and provide it. So we really thank you guys for doing that. Now, not only can you be a champion, but there's a lot of virtual events and, and speakers and all other things throughout the month. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, we're going to be reaching 110 organizations this October because we get well, we get requests all year long for speakers. On staysafeonline.org, there is a form you can fill out if you want to specifically request a speaker. So this year we're offering talks given by yours truly, or we have a game show that we're offering folks. So we're trying to think already about next year and how do we do more things that are scalable? We might end up having some tournaments with that game show, having different organizations mm. uh, play the game Sign show me up. against each, against each <laughs> other. Yeah, we've talked to like uh, one state university system said they would be interested in forming teams from different campuses and having them play against each other. So yeah, we're, we're because I think we could reach even more people that way if we do things like that, that are, that are more scalable, because I'm not scalable. Me giving talks is <laughs> we only have eight <laughs> hours a day during the month of October to give talks, but we actually are invited to speak a lot all year round. So you don't have to, to wait for October. So what I'm hearing listening to you, and I, I hope this is a trend because I think it's more meaningful to people. It sounds less about the tools and more about getting at the level of 
where most people are with cybersecurity. I know a little bit about it. I know I'm supposed to do something with it, but it's just very complicated to actually hear about it. So these programs sound like it's trying to soften up maybe the tech on it a little. Yeah, yeah it's really about how how can we be more relatable? How can we right? use some behavioral science? How can we use some nudges? You know, what is that drumbeat in the background where we keep it to maintain a culture of security in our organization? Because it's a process, it's not an event. And you do have to keep it in front of people on a regular basis. And then like what we really advocate for, where we've really changed our tone over the last couple of years is making sure that we're there to be helpful, that we're not the department mm -hmm. of no that we're not there to just scare you with pictures of hackers and hoodies and talk about some remote intangible fear from the other side of the earth somewhere that somebody's out to get you. Because we know that when we do that, it's worrisome. It causes anxiety and that right. isn't necessarily a good motivator for behavior change. So if we talk more about how much better you'll feel if you do these things, the peace of mind you can have if you use MFA, you won't have to worry as much about being victimized. Like our O Behave report tells us that over 50% of people worry that they are specifically targeted and that they're going to be a victim of cybercrime. And a lot of people already have been victimized in some way. So we don't want people operating from a position of fear in life. Anything you do in life that you do out of fear is usually not best decisions. Right. <laughs> so, right. so we want to be encouraging. And I mean, at the end of the day, education should be empowering. Right. And so yeah. you should feel yeah. good about what you're learning. And so that's what we're trying to lean into is that positivity and encouragement and peace of mind. I like it. So I'm assuming that you do work with a lot of school districts. I know you mentioned um, other businesses as well, but like, what's the biggest cybersecurity challenges that school districts are facing? If I think about it at like the teacher and student level, as opposed to like the operation of the district, mm -hmm. I, yep. I think for me, the thing that kind of keeps me up at night is that children are learning some bad cybersecurity habits from very young ages, or even with my own kids, when they first got iPads, you know, 10 years ago in middle school when they were a new thing at the time, like nothing was blocked on the proxy and the, you know, the teacher was like, wrote a password on the board and said, okay, everybody, this is our yeah. password. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think from those very early ages, the minute you start introducing technology into the classroom, it has to come with education on how to use it securely because we are seeing in our data from our behavior report, the younger folks, we surveyed people from age 18 all the way up through retirees. It's the millennials and the Gen Z that feel the most fatalistic, I guess I would summarize it to say. In other words, they feel like this doesn't matter, that what I do doesn't matter, that I'm mm -hmm. going to get breached, I'm going to get victimized. Mm -hmm. They have some of the highest rates of being victimized and some of the worst habits compared to other age groups in our research. So it starts very, very young. And just because kids are tech savvy doesn't mean they're security savvy. So they really need to get that in the classroom. It starts with really basic things like passwords. Kids understand the concept of keeping a secret. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so um, so when we do things like show them that passwords aren't really secrets. <laughs> right. That's, that's um, I think, a missed opportunity to relay that information to them and, you know, help them understand that their password should be something that nobody else knows except them. 
I think the other thing I'd say is that when it comes to training, I don't have enough data to, to know like how many school districts have training available for the staff and the faculty. If they're doing simulated fishing programs, all those kinds of things, like our data tells us that students don't have a lot as much access to yeah. cybersecurity as people in the work world. So some of that training that's out there is very inexpensive or free. You know, we all think about the training that, I don't know, when I was new in a job 20 years ago or so, like the training you had to do was really not a great experience. <laughs> it's gotten that's so right. much. Like there's stuff that's comedic, there's stuff that's animated, there, the, there's stuff that doesn't like talk down to you, that's relatable and really helpful. And so for younger folks, for students and for retirees, I wish there was more training available to those age groups because they're the ones that are most at risk. All right, Lisa. Well, I want to thank you for giving us all of your time today and all of your wisdom. I like your take on cybersecurity and I like coming from somebody who wants to look at it from a people perspective. So thank you. I also want to thank you very much, Lisa. We look forward to a great October for Cybersecurity Awareness Month. We look forward to all the campaigns you guys do and the material you sent out through the National Cybersecurity oh, Alliance. I'm really glad it's helpful. And we hope you have a successful October. All right. Well, have a good weekend, you guys. Thanks, yes, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Bye-bye. Well, Monica, that was a great chat with Lisa. Um, a lot of good resources out there. And I really loved her perspective on getting with the kids and starting at that level and training them. I'm really excited to see how now that the computer science standards are rolled out into New York, how that actually applies and, and where it goes and, and what it benefits for people like you and me, right? In this job that are yeah. trying to, to do that awareness. Yeah, I think the, you know, the 20 years from now, Monica will have a much easier job just because of folks like Lisa who are targeting education about cybersecurity to the kids. But I also liked how she kept it four simple things for us to do. And we hear this from everybody. And I love how we're all starting to get on the same page of this phishing, multi-factor authentication, do your patching and passwords. Get those four things done and you are at least down the road of a good cybersecurity posture. You can't get to the top of the pyramid without laying that foundation, Monica. That's a good one, Josh. I like it. <laughs> I like it. All right, Josh, I'm super excited about this. You know what it is? What's that, Monica? We're going to meet again. Yes. We're doing this again. We're doing two episodes this month in honor of Cybersecurity Awareness Month. That's right. We're we're, we're being champions. We're trying to get as much information out. It's a great month. It's a great time to get people aware of cybersecurity. Okay, so I like to think of October as apple cider donuts, pumpkins, and cybersecurity awareness. How's that? Throw in some apple picking and uh, yeah, we'll go with yeah, that. We'll be covered. Okay. Thanks for joining us on the DPO download. We'll see you at the next time.